time to screw the norms. To fit in, we often hide what's on our minds, who we really are, or who we want to be, or even what we want to do. But now you're having the right conversations. Here, we'll talk about sex, relationships, and mental health, and how they interact with each other and so many other aspects of life. Shame can't survive when we're honest and curious with each other and ourselves. It's time for your mind to scream less and for you to screw more. I'm Rachel Wright, a non-monogamous queer psychotherapist and your host. Hello, friends, and welcome back to The Right Conversations. I am really thrilled to bring a very unique conversation to you today um, about something that I've probably talked with, if you know me in real life, or even have like a an, a parasocial relationship with me, we may have talked about reality TV because um, you know that I have watched it. I used to have a show like recapping and commenting on the Bachelor franchise from the perspective of a couples therapist um, and through the lens of mental health and relationships and healthy communication. Um, So if you know me, you know that reality TV is something that I like to use as a tool, um, both for healthy escapism and also discussions and bringing up important issues because People like watching other humans on TV because they like watching other humans, <laughs> period. <laughs> um, so I'm really excited to have a conversation today about the reality of being on reality TV with Nick Thompson. Nick, thank you for being here with me. Hi, thank you for having me on. Um, I think it's it's funny because it's reality TV is like the ultimate people watching experience, right? Yep. It's- I never thought yep. of it that way. It's it's very funny that you introduced it that way. Yeah. It it's yeah, it's like sitting on a park bench, you know, but we'll we'll get into the differences because yeah. there are a lot of differences. There's a lot. <laughs> uh, so before we dive into that, will you tell everyone for anybody who doesn't know who you are, um, who you are, what you do, your connection to reality TV, what lights you up, all all that good stuff. Yeah, so my name's Nick Thompson. I was a main cast member on Love is Blind Season 2, where I um, survived the experience and came out um, married to to a person named Danielle. Um, we have since separated and divorced, um, found ourselves on um, good terms again more recently, which has been which has been a good experience. But um, yeah, my my whole time uh, throughout the experience was it was very um, it was, it was very intense. It was a, a big pressure cooker environment. And once I started to step away from it and really get my thoughts clear and, and reflect on everything that had happened, um, I decided to co-found a not-for-profit organization called the UCAN Foundation, which stands for Unscripted Cast Advocacy Network. And we have uh, several pillars of, of what we do, but our main goal is to provide mental health and legal services to reality cast members before, during, and after production because um, they're not readily available in the way that you would hope for people who are putting their entire life on display. And the contracts are very one-sided. Um, so, you know, we want to make sure people understand what's legal, what's enforceable, what they can push back on, what their rights are um, as they go through this experience, because it's very intense. And it's it's very, you do feel very much like you are being bullied um, by by these production and these companies to, to you know, toe a certain line and behave a certain way. And then the other big pillar of the 
organization is to advocate for change in the industry. And, um, you know, we have several ways of doing that. And that's my primary role as the executive director of outreach is to be a, a person who can, um, you know, expand our mission, uh, bring other cast members in who have gone through similar but different experiences. And then ultimately, how we can get change in an industry that has gone severely unregulated and has escaped basic labor practices that we've decided as a society we're going to adhere to. So, um, you yeah. know, that, that's kind of who I am from a professional standpoint. I'm a marketer. Um, I'm a, I love marketing and communication. So I do that um, as well. I love it. I love it. So, all right, let's let's take this all the way back to the beginning. Were you a reality TV fan? What inspired you to get on the show? How did you get on the show? What what did that look like? It, so I've, I had never really consumed much reality TV uh, before. Um, I had watched, ironically, Nick Viles' uh, season of The Bachelor from a perspective of socializing at work because everybody was talking about it. We did a little bracket tournament. I find any kind of tournament fun. So, yep, um, yep. you know, we have I, a survivor I watched... fantasy league. So I, I oh my gosh, it. that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't believe that show is still on, but yeah, amazing. that's, yeah, it's amazing. The OG reality show. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I had a little experience and then ironically, I graduated from, I was in uh, my bachelor program from 2008 to 2010, which was when the writers were on strike last time. And there was this big explosion of reality TV. So as I was going through my uh, business degree, which was focused on entertainment, I was starting to learn about this industry um, through other people's projects, through some of the work that we had to do and some of the the um, assignments that we had to do. And so I, I kind of felt like that sort of gave me a baseline of how I viewed reality TV and mm. that it just wasn't really real in the way that that I would think. Um, so it, I hadn't really followed too much reality TV. I'd watch some competition shows because I think those can be fun. Um, then I got a LinkedIn message at the end of 2020 from a casting director because LinkedIn was where I was most active from a social media perspective um, because I was a, a VP of marketing and I would talk a lot about marketing and content and wellness in the workplace and all of that stuff that's important to me. And um, I decided to take the call. Um, I watched season one shortly after that. Uh, I felt like it was uh, genuinely, it seemed genuine. It seemed different than other shows. Um, you know, you, you fall in love with some of the couples on the show, uh, having met them like real people. So, uh, I, I think that kind of resonated through and I thought yeah. to myself, like I'm dating here and there, but like, I hate it. I hate dating on the apps. Um, I had done a lot of work on myself, especially, you know, coming out of a, a serious relationship right before COVID. And so I was just in this place where I felt like mentally I was, I was good. Um, probably the best I've ever been. And I didn't want to keep dating the traditional way. And this seemed like it addressed a lot of those issues that I had with dating, which is, you know, endless supply of swipes, endless yeah. amounts of of dates people are going on. People aren't taking the time to really get to know each other. They're building preconceived notions. They're busy with work. They're busy with friends. There's all these anxieties in, in the world because of the pandemic. And, you know, I, I just felt like... I, you know, and I'm not gonna, I don't wanna out anyone, but like, I just remember this one date that I had during the pandemic where she said, if we were gonna go on a date, I'd have to take a COVID test before every date. And I, I, I just was like, what? 
<laughs> and and I get it. Like I get people yeah. were scared, but you know, that's the kind of stuff that was going on for me when I was trying to date during that time specifically. And so I just felt like maybe this could work. And I got myself in the mindset that cool, if I go there and I leave the first day because I don't connect with anyone, which I actually leaned in that direction. Um, or if I go all the way and and find the person that I, I want to marry, like I'm totally comfortable doing that. And that was my mindset. Uh, but just as as sort of a proof point that I felt like I would be leaving the first day, um, the following week, uh, the first week of filming, I actually told my therapist I wanted to keep my appointment with her that week because I had a feeling I was going to be back. And she said, <laughs> well, I have, she's like, I have a feeling you're not coming back until you're engaged. So she was right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you know, it's really interesting you bring up season one because I think that there's been, you know, so much discussion specifically about Love is Blind and Kinetic, which is the production company um, who also does Ultimatum, just for anyone listening for context. Um, season one really did and does feel different. And um, it's almost the way that I'm hearing you talk about it is almost as though it, felt like a bait and switch. Like the the concept of what you were signing up for and what you saw portrayed seemed perfect. And then you get there and it's not. Yeah. Is that accurate? It, it, yes. And, and with a caveat. So okay. If you go back and you read um, Leap of Faith, which I believe that's the name of Lauren and Cameron's book, and I've talked to several cast members as well, these conditions that have been well verbalized from several cast members and not just of, of this show, but of several shows, those, those are consistent throughout. Um, what I will say is that they do sell this as a truly psychologically based love experiment. And I did buy into the sell job that this was going to be different. Now, that being said, I genuinely believe that the concept works. I, I, I did fall in love. I did get married. There was a right. lot of things that contributed to that not working out at the time. But what I didn't really process at the time, and really until like the end of last year when I was finally starting to clear my, my head and my thoughts about it, was I didn't understand like the lengths at which you are are put under pressure. Like I knew we were under pressure, but like the impacts that, you know, filming for 18, 20 hours a day, just constantly being on, on mic and on camera. And, you know, I learned after probably day two or three, I'm like, I'm not really going to drink other than casually because, you know, I'm not, I'm not eating right. I'm, I'm off my schedule. I'm off my structure that kind of keeps me sane and, and, you know, adding alcohol in excessive amounts to yeah. that list wasn't going to benefit me or anyone else for that matter. Um, so, you know, as I look back and I think about how, you know, you were held in a hotel room when you weren't filming and you couldn't leave your hotel room and then you were kind of trafficked to filming for 18 hours a day and then you were trafficked back to the hotel and then you're not allowed to leave again, but you only got like six hours before you're getting up and doing it again during the pods, like that kind of stuff, it's happening so fast. And for me, I was hyper-focused on making sure I was making the right decisions for me because I didn't want to end up in a situation where I was going to, um, you know, be 
heading to the altar with someone that I wasn't genuinely in love with. So I think like that was where I put my focus because I, I wanted to focus on that. I didn't want to get manipulated or into doing or saying things that I wouldn't normally say or do. So I think that was, it just took me a long time to kind of get out of it and look back on it and be like, that's really fucked up. That whole thing is really fucked up. So it sounds like the quote unquote experiment, which is what they call it. Um, <laughs> the, it's a, as a psychology research nerd, I like giggle every time I hear that. I'm like, yeah, it's cool. Oh my Keep God. telling Our, yourself that. <laughs> Dr. Isabel Morley from the foundation just posted something yesterday about how like it's time to stop calling this an experiment like this is yeah it's, it's it, no it's like, yeah yeah it's not not the right word um so it's the, the same level of experiment as the squid games yeah, yeah. <laughs> the quote-unquote experiment itself right. worked and was lovely in in a vacuum the experience and the production and the way that you and your partner, Danielle, at the time were handled and talked to and um, produced produced is the piece that was not real. Like it does not put the real in reality TV. Is right. that yeah, and here's an example for you. And I, I have shared this before. Um, this was something that Danielle and I talked about on my podcast. So there's this idea, I think, which is fair because this is how it's presented. So this isn't a knock on anyone that is listening to this and might think this. There's this idea that when you're on one of these shows, you're living your life, maybe within the the boundaries of the experiment or whatever it is, and that a camera crew is following you around. And you're saying and doing these things in this order, in this way, in this manner, in this context. And that's not reality. There was not really a single day where we got to say, here's what we want to do. Come follow us. It was, this is meet the family day. This is meet the family weekend. This is meet the friends day. And here's where you're going to go. And here's what you're going to do. And you're going to, you know, you're going to talk about this, or you're going to talk about that. And you know, one of the examples was we had um, a cake tasting that we did, which was was on screen. Um, my dad's dog unexpectedly died that day. Um, oh she had a, a family issue that popped up, I think, the same day or the day before. And Oy. neither of us wanted to taste cakes. Um, <laughs> you know, and really? with my, <laughs> yeah. And with my my dad, it was you know, I worry about him. He's getting older. Um, he's not the the healthiest person and he's never remarried. He barely dated after divorcing my mom when we were kids. And so the dog, um, was kind of, to me, it's his reason to go outside. It's his reason to walk and he works. But after that, you know, you come home and, and, um, at the time my sister and nephew were living with him and my, then my nephew, who's, what was he five at the time, six at the time dealing with losing his first dog, who was his best friend. You know, it, it's a lot. Yeah, and so I, yeah. I just was like, I want to go like, make sure everything's okay, figure out a plan, how I can help. And we couldn't do any of that. Danielle couldn't, it's not my story to tell her story, but like her, you know, her story of not being able to be there for her family member. And yeah. Instead, we're forced, you know, with those, <laughs> yeah, to, those underlying <laughs> angst and anxieties. And we're, we're out just cake tasting for our wedding. 
If you experience recurrent BV or yeast infections or struggle with vaginal symptoms like odor, discharge, pain with sex, or more, you are not alone, and you should totally test your vaginal microbiome with Evie. Evie has developed the world's first at-home vaginal microbiome test and screens for more than 700 bacteria and fungi with a single swab, including those related to symptoms and infections. Evie also offers free one-on-one vaginal health coaching and innovative prescription treatment programs developed just for you by a provider. You can order your vaginal health test today at evy.com, that's E-V-V-Y.com, and use code RACHEL10 for $10 off your first test. I love this story, not because you were both in pain, obviously, um, but so often we as viewers of these shows, right, we'll, we'll watch a scene and because of the context of the way it's framed is like, oh, there must be something wrong in their relationship. They're having reservations mm-hmm. about the wedding. They're do- right. We like apply all of these things because you're both probably feeling stressed, which is probably reading somewhat in the way that you're talking or on, on camera. And we as viewers are not getting the story behind what's going on in reality. What we're getting is ominous music combined with you looking stressed eating chocolate cake and it's like oh nick must not want to walk down that aisle like yeah and, and that's the interpretation when that's not really what was going on but the and you're you're 100 right and the thing is is when you when you only present certain pieces of it and this is something that's been so interesting to me especially coming out of it was people don't like i don't like attention i don't i i like to talk about ideas i like to talk about you know, cultural issues. I like to talk about like how we can, you know, better show up as ourselves or better show up for other people or, or just, you know, how real life shit. Okay. And then here I came out famous for my relationship, which was again, a hack job of what you, what, what they want you to see. And there is no context. And then all people know about you is your, um, your relationship and not even for an accurate, representation of it, but what a production company decides that they want to show of it. And, you know, I think back to ours and yeah, we had arguments, but we were both taking it very seriously. And then on the upside, like we did have some fun scenes that got cut and things that I think would have better showed our, um, you know, you know, the good parts of our relationship and the ways that we complemented each other instead of just the conflicts. And, you know, I think to, you know, how we broke into this part of the conversation, imagine if, and my dad didn't want to be filmed. Okay. He didn't want to be on the show at all. So take that out for a minute. Imagine if in a scenario where he was okay with it, if the camera watched us do that or me go with Danielle and see how we could learn how to support each other in real life situations and what we needed from each other and, and build that rapport with the family that like we were both there supportive to be supportive of each other and be supportive of them. Like that's real life. And that's what really matters in a relationship. Like how, how do I show up for Danielle when she needs me? How does Danielle show up for me when I need her? How do we, you know, integrate our families in, in time of need? 
that I don't think that's boring. Maybe that's just me, but I think that's much more relatable than watching us argue over cake. I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would agree. And also that's to kind of come back to the very beginning of this conversation. Like when I was talking about people watching, part of the reason why we enjoy that as humans is it's interesting to see other people's lives and how mm-hmm. other people behave and show up in in situations and i know that i would much rather watch okay i'll give a reality tv example to kind of um this whole uh tom sandoval scandoval vanderpump mm-hmm. rules thing that affair was not produced that happened organically And while I'm sure that the scenes that they decided to include in the aftermath of that were, and they decided what they wanted to show to like, that was real. Like we were seeing someone in pain, many people in pain, navigate something that really happened, not that was pigeonholed and, and thrust in. And one may say like, that's unethical to capitalize on someone's pain. At the end of the day, from what I understand, all of these people were consenting and and wanting to do these things on on camera. Mm. Um, but I find that a lot more interesting than watching arguments over cake because right. there's something else going on that we don't know about. Right, and like, and yeah. to push a narrative that the narrative that. They had a couple that I feel, and again, in the moment, you're just kind of like, what, what's going on? (laughs) Like, you don't really know, especially, and then, you know, there's a difference. People who are doing a show for the first time and then people who are recurring like uh, Vanderpump Rules, right? right? Like they're on season 10, like they know the drill They're Right. And it's their income. Like they're getting compensated fairly and they film for three months at it. Like they know their, their role. Yeah. Yes. They're not a contestant or a participant in a quote unquote experiment. (laughs) Exactly. It's like you read the contract Um, (laughs) when you say those words. So yeah, that's exactly right. And that's where I feel like, you know, we're sitting there and, and they're trying to do this. And again, this is retrospect. This is my opinion, but they're trying to maybe push conversations about maturity for her versus me conversations Mm. about, um, you know, her and her friends and what they do versus what me and my friends do. And I think back to the way that things were edited my meeting, my friends and meeting her friends was left out because everybody got along and we all had fun both times. So it was like, <laughs> so that didn't feed that narrative or yeah. they, they kept trying to make us talk about student loans. Cause I have student loan debt and she doesn't. And I'm like, it is what it is. Everybody I know has it. And she's like, I'm one of the lucky people that doesn't have it, but I don't fault anyone for having it. And there's no story there. That's just normal people having normal thoughts and about (laughs) a specific topic, you know? So it's like, it's just interesting because I do feel in my opinion that they have these narratives and I've heard this from producers as well, that they have these storyboard narrative plot lines that they're going to, they're going to kind of pigeon you into. Yep. I mean, this happens on the the Bachelor franchise too. 
you know, especially on shows like Bachelor in Paradise, where there's a mm. lot more like the structure is a lot looser and it's just a lot more free flowing. And, you know, you'll hear from people that were on the show after like, well, actually, I did have a conversation with this person. We talked for two hours about this topic, but it was completely left out. And any comments that other people made about the fact that we talked was also left out. And right. so now I'm getting critiqued online for never having a conversation with this person when in reality I did and many people were speaking about it. And no. it's, again, like you said, to just stick to the story arc that production wants to stick to. And I think that there is an ethical way of doing that. Like, I get that there does need to be some sort of story for people to stay engaged. You know, like I, I understand conceptually, but like you said, I think that it is more interesting to see and hear the real stuff. And mm -hmm. it seems like there's a way to do both. I think so too. And people were dramatic, right? right. Like we're dramatic people. And here, here's one example I'll say where it was done within elements of reality, right? If you look at, at ATA after the altar, um, they actually let Danielle and I pretty much plan the uh, 80s party. They asked, oh, you know, you you two are a little bit of the glue that holds people together as a group. Um, would you guys want to host something? And we talked about like, maybe it would be a birthday party or maybe it would be a themed party and we'd incorporate costumes. And cause we had, you know, we all, we got everyone in costumes for Halloween that year before, like all of that stuff. So it was, they kind of, you know, they kind of let us plan this party, um, the 80s party and get everyone in costume and get everyone together and, and, you know, sent us, I, I can't remember exactly the order of which is they, I think they sent us the house. We ended up going being like, Hey, is this something you guys would book? So we were a little more involved in that piece of it. Um, and then I think on that, on those after shows, they do let, let it play a little loose more so with the narrative. Um, at least that was my experience. Now that I think back to some of the others, I think I can't speak for them, but when I think back to some of the stuff that I know happened, maybe maybe I was just lucky. We were lucky that time. But um, well, and yeah, I think that that's a really important point: is that everyone is going to have a different experience based yes. on so many different factors, and that we have to be able to hear all of these different experiences and hold them as ands, and not use them to like combat or fight each other. Like, well, mm -hmm. this person said that they had a wonderful experience and they weren't produced and blah, 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 blah. And this person says that they were and they were totally manipulated and like whatever. And so therefore they're, they both must be lying. And it's like, no, two things can be true at the same time, even right. that oppose each other. And uh, or yeah. the person who aligns with your view of it. So if right. you, if you think, and this is one of the things, and you know, you're the, you're the therapist here. So this is me, me stepping on toes, maybe a little bit. No, one of the step things, away. <laughs> one of the things I've really realized, um, coming out of this and my world opening up to, um, a different, a different group of people, right? Like I have six friends that are really close and I've, you know, shed so many people as I've gone through my therapy journey and my growth journey, that pe shedding people that weren't meant for me. So I had this almost closed circle that worked for me. And this opened me up to the entire world. And, um, you know, I, I see people who are, are so angry and damaged and mm. take it out on 
reality cast members. And listen, mm. I didn't get what I would say is a bad edit. I say our relationship maybe wasn't accurately presented, but what I will say is I've spoken to several people who have gotten a bad edit and they're wonderful people. And maybe they said or did something that was then not even in character or in the character of the person they want to be. And I understand that being in the the pressure cooker that that it is. I mean, but we do that in real life, let alone when we're yeah, in a pressure cooker. Exactly. And then you you hear these stories of of like, you know, they wouldn't let me call my kid until I gave them this line. And then that line oh. is represented here. Or, you know, the oh. I've heard two separate stories, two separate shows, two separate production companies of people being held with false imprisonment is what I would suggest it is, and then be sexually assaulted. Two people that have never talked to each other, at least until maybe recently they did. And you hear these stories and I didn't have any of that, but that doesn't right. mean that that doesn't happen. And that doesn't mean that right. I'm not going to hear their stories. So I, I just, I struggle with people who want to put what their feelings are, whether it's, it's a, a jealousy that they didn't get to go become, you know, a, a reality TV cast member or star or whatever you want to say. And then there's the people that are just, just angry for some reason or another. And they, they find uh, projecting that onto to people that they see uh, and have a perception of as, as, you know, real life. I'm using air quotes for those listening yeah. people. <laughs> and they just, they just like spew all of their trauma on people yeah. and it's, it's brutal. And then when you have things like bad edits, or you have things that are edited out of order to make someone look like they were cheating or someone look like they were misbehaving or behaving poorly. It's just, it's really tragic. And I'm not saying that people, some people don't say and do the things that they say and do. And I'm not even saying some, that it's always out of context. Each person has their, right. their own Sometimes experience. Sometimes it is an like, accurate portrayal of something shitty. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. But it's not a full portrayal. And I, right. I really hope that we we start to realize that because to your point earlier, we can produce ethical reality TV. It can't. We are entertaining species. We yeah. we watch documentaries, which have their own issues, all of this stuff. But, right. you know, we just don't have to go out of our way, not even out of our way, just completely ignore the impacts that this has on human beings. Yeah. Yeah. So to wrap us up, I have two two final questions for you. Um, what is your advice to anyone listening who has considered applying to be on a reality TV show? Great question. So I have spoken to, I don't even know how many folks anymore. And what, what I like to do is answer questions. Um, I'm not going to tell anyone what to do. I will make sure that you understand that. what my personal experience was. I will help you, uh, hopefully help you understand what it's actually like, even though you don't know until you go through it. And I'm, I'm very clear about that. You don't know until you go through it. I thought I got it. I thought I understood it. Um, I thought, you know, when I read the part about we can defame you, we can misrepresent you, we can edit you any way that we want. You can't go against the edit or you're going to be fined. I read all that and I was like, well, I'm just going to be me and I'm a good person. So what could possibly go wrong? Nothing right. went wrong for me, but I can tell you everyone else reads that. And they think the same thing. Yeah. And so until you actually go through it, you don't know. But just be prepared. And, and again, depending on the premise of the show, just be prepared to be out of what your normal life is. And you're not being followed around by a camera crew. 
think about the way that, um, and I don't think people think about this enough, and this is another learning I have. Think about the way you live your day-to-day life. That structure provides you mental stability, yeah. whether you know it or not, whether you go to your job every day and you hate it, whether you don't have a job or you're, you're doing a, you know, a manual labor job or whatever that is, where you work out, when you eat, when you don't eat, when you get water, all of those things are taken away from you and put in the hands of somebody else. So you have to really, really understand that and the role that that plays in your overall wellness, your overall mental health, and your overall physical health. That's uh, such a good point. And I appreciate that because that's not even about production. That's simply about the the disruption of your routine as a human, Um, Mm -hmm. regardless of what, you know, it's a great set. It's not a great set. Like in in that way, it doesn't matter. You're at the whim of of someone else. Yeah, um, you give you give up your control. You give up yeah. your autonomy, um, in, autonomy, your individuality. Um, and, and that's what I think I would advise people to think about and to focus on because you can and you can read everything you want to know about reality TV productions online these days. So I, I don't need to tell anyone about that. They can yeah. choose to believe <laughs> it or choose to not. But I really think that you know understanding how your going to be disrupted and your autonomy is handed over to somebody else, that's going to be something that people need to reflect on if they're going to do a reality show. Yeah. Thank you for that. So we we will link everything to you, you can foundation, all of that in the show notes. Um, but if you want to leave everybody listening with one thing today, what would that be? Can I give two? <laughs> so yes, of course. First, um, we have partnered at the UCAN Foundation with moveon.org, and we have launched cool. a petition. Um, and that petition is, give me one second, I'm going to pull up exactly what we say here. Um, that petition is to Netflix and to all reality productions. And I can't get it. To, hold on one second. You can edit this out, right? Great. Yes. Second. Ben, please edit this out. We love you, Ben. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So it's to... So we started a petition with moveon.org at the UCAN Foundation to uh, petition Netflix and all reality TV production companies to put a disclaimer before each episode of an unscripted show to say that episodes are for entertainment purposes only. The content can be edited, manipulated, and presented in any order for storyline purposes. And our reason for that is because I have spoken to so many people whose lives were ruined, incredibly disrupted, all because of a, an edit that may or may not be partially or fully representative of what happened. And in a lot of cases, not representative of reality at all. So I think this reminder would do, um, you know, it, it's not going to solve all the issues, but it would be very helpful for the people yeah. who do get uh, difficult, who do have difficulties after an edit um, with, with the public scrutiny. And I hope that this would, would just remind people that they're watching something that is not an accurate representation of, of all of reality. The other thing I would say is um, there is a there's a snowball effect happening in the unscripted reality TV space right now. There are multiple calls for unionization. There are multiple calls for regulation around production. Um, there are multiple calls for uh, you know illegal NDAs from these shows that prohibit you to talk about your working conditions that prohibits you from speaking out against an edit that really, um, you know, 
counteract laws that we have in this country and even yeah. in the world. So when you watch the shows, remember that. And I would say, come join the You Can Foundation, volunteer, share content, spread word. I'm not asking everyone to stop watching reality TV. I'm asking you to help us get it produced more ethically where we yeah. have a, a human being first approach to it. I love that. Thank you. And I really appreciate you naming that because I think it's important that we don't jump to the other extreme and say, yeah, everybody boycott and and everyone leave this alone. It's like, no, let's actually fix the problem. Like, right. let's do it well. <laughs> and right. we can do it well and it can be wonderful and we can still have drama and and all of the things that we want to see. It will happen. We're humans. Like you said, exactly. like, it's going to happen anyway. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, thank I, you so much. I appreciate you so much for having me on. Of course. Thank you. I just I love what you're doing and I think it's so important. So thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. That's all for today, you sexy folks. What questions came to mind as you were listening? Continue the conversation with me over on Instagram at the right underscore Rachel. And don't forget, please leave a rating and a review so that we can continue erasing shame and stigma together. 